Hi, listeners. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Learn more by visiting podvoices.help. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. And again, that website is podvoices.help. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And we're finishing Brie Tanner, the novella, this week. Honestly, we couldn't think of anything funny. I challenge you to find something funny in this section. Anyways. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. How's it going, Paige? Today we are not celebrating the independence of this trash country. We're recording this on the 4th of July. Here we are. I am sure you all can hear I sound a little different. I did end up testing positive, so fun, super cool. I feel very lucky that my symptoms were on the milder side. Um, I chalk that up to my booster baby. So I'm um, thank you vaccinations for keeping me feeling not too horrible this week. Um, but yeah, I'm in the in the last day of being, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. The CDC says this is my last day of quarantine. Um, but I don't think I'm not going to go out anywhere tomorrow. So, you know, I'm doing okay. Yeah. This is the most un, most unforth fourth ever. Like, I haven't done anything really to celebrate. I saw some fireworks on Friday night, but that feels like two years ago. So. My backyard um, goes up against a elementary school playground. So there's like a big like a what, what parking lot, like black pavement kind of area. Um, and last night, someone was shooting fireworks off and cracklers and stuff there. I was trying to sleep personally, but sure, that's great. I'm sure it's going to be even worse tonight. You know what? I bet it was a man because they're the only ones who have anything to celebrate. I think it may have been a child. <laughs> it was probably a man child. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. um anything new to report what's what's popping lately um here's just a cool fun thing I was asked by my boss at my at home job to make a a short video clip explaining some of the mechanics that go into using um one of our one of our mechanical tools at the funeral home that we use for transportation um he just asked if I could I don't I don't know how in depth I want to get into this basically he made a video explaining how to do it asked me to review it I said cool video but I learned it a different way 
and explained why I learned it that way. And he was like, great, cool. I love that perspective. That's super helpful. Can you make a short clip explaining that other point of view, basically? And I was like, yeah, totally. I guess this man was expecting C to D quality film. And I delivered, I'm a content creator level baby film. Um, He was so floored by it. He sent me an email with like seven exclamation points. Peach, this is amazing work. And then I had a meeting with him last Thursday. And he, that was the first thing he wanted to talk about was just compliment after compliment after compliment. And he was so impressed. He gave me a $2 raise. That's how we do it, people. We trick the boomers into thinking we're extremely talented. That is the secret to corporate success. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty sure this man is a millennial. I'm pretty sure he's he's either in his late 30s or early 40s. I That might be Gen X. I don't know. But sometimes, technologically speaking, he acts like a boomer. Sometimes. Not all the time. Like, for example, today he asked me to edit edit the movie and it took me about two seconds because he didn't know you could just drag and drop on iMovie like I think he thinks that I'm going really hardcore into editing and I'm like nope definitely not doing that this is a free program (laughs) he literally has a Mac he could have done it himself but he paid me two extra dollars an hour to do it this this time so love it also okay here no this isn't this is news um at this celebration that Jacob's family puts on every year for Fourth of July, they always hold a bocce ball tournament, and yeah, bitch, and Jacob won the bocce ball tournament. And this time there were sick ass prizes. There was gift baskets. There was three, and so whoever won first got to pick, and then second, and then third. It was lit. We got a mixology basket, so it has all these different cocktail equipment things. It has a recipe book. It has some bitters, some, not triple sec, but something else that is kind of like that. Has some vodka, just, you know, looking good, looking like a fun time. That's a great steal. My old, old roommate, Millie, she bought herself some, like, cocktail equipments, like the spoon that spirally shaped and, like, a tumbler, and she had, like, a lime squeezer, all kinds of cool stuff, and I was spoiled when I lived with her in that sense. Like, we made mojitos all the time and did the swirly stick to get that mint aroma going. Like, the, that's a good gift. So you, they, It will go a long way for you. It was very exciting, and I'm excited to read through the whole recipe book and pick some stuff out. Nice. And you can benefit next time you're here. We could do something. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I love mojitos. <laughs> I don't really like mint that much. Yeah, I I think the mint can be a forward element to a mojito if you like it that way. But you can always edit a recipe to do just like a little bit of mint and more of lime and agave. Um, I guess, you know, actually, I think the original recipe just calls for like simple syrup or some kind of just like sweetener um but when I was in college we made mojitos and used agave just to to try it and it's really good so that's what I use now that sounds good I guess for recommendations corner this week I am bringing to the table one of my all-time favorite shows it's Monk 
it I don't know if you've ever watched it, Emily, but it is from the 90s. Like half of it is filmed in the 90s and half of it is filmed in the early 2000s. That's like when it ran. And it is not only hilarious, it is also true crime, which I love. Tony Shalhoub is amazing. He's just like a cool guy and he's an awesome actor. And I think it's just a really great representation of men with mental health disorders. And to have it shown when it did, like a show in the 90s showing a man going to therapy and making it super normal and to have a man struggling with grief and anxiety and OCD. It's just a super, I, I love the show. It can be lighthearted at times. It can be serious. I think it's really funny and it's just super great. I would recommend it. Just to clarify, is there a man in a dog suit in that show? No, I think what you're thinking of is Wilfred. Oh, yep. You're right. Yeah. Monk is, uh, I, I have the box set. I don't know if it, I think it's streaming on Amazon Prime, but um, it's t Tony Shalhoub is the main actor and he just plays a detective who is super good at what he does because of his OCD and his just his ability to see details and see things that people don't normally see and just him navigating the world with what he has going on. I was going to say relatable, but then we, when you started talking about his abilities to be good at stuff, I was like, oh, never mind. That's not relatable. <laughs> he is also hindered by them pretty much in every episode. So that is relatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. My recommendation this week, I'm scrimping, but I'm just going to say the Pinterest app. That, that thing is no thoughts, head empty. There's no drama on that shit. It's just like, recipes <laughs> i okay did you ever use Wanello? it's w-a-n-e-l-o no what is it that app had me gripped by the throat when i was a teenager it was like chevron print everything anchors on everything it was like it was artists who made their own stuff and would sell it there. It was kind of like Etsy-esque, but it was like four aesthetic white girls. Like I, <laughs> it just like, I looked at that once I was employed in high school, I looked at that app every day. My, my cart was full of items that I wanted. It was not good. It sounds fun though. It sounds like peaceful. I feel like Chevron print was such a, a moment back then. Chevron print, but one of the line, it's black and white, but one of the lines is mint green or like hot pink. I think that, that specifically, or coral, coral color. I know what I'm getting you for your birthday now. <laughs> what is it going to be? <laughs> Something Chevron print. I'm out of my Chevron days. That's too damn bad. I've already decided. So this week, we finished the Brie Tanner novella. And as we mentioned earlier, it was quite a bummer. But I do want to hear your thoughts on it, Paige. Well, I... Two main thoughts. Actually, I'm going to say three. Three main thoughts. First thought, most importantly... 
I was right. He was dead the whole time, as I suspected. And I mean, it kind of surprised me. Like when when you reasoned with me last week about why, what benefit would there be to him being dead? You swayed me. I believed you. There really, it seemed better that for Diego to be alive. But then when they described him, his death, oh, sad, really horrible, really terrible. Victoria Riley, two thumbs down. Second main thought, the most redeeming part of this whole book. My guy made it out. Fred made it out, and I'm so happy for him. I hope he's living his best life. He deserves it. I hope he's not killing people, but, you know, I'm just glad he made it. Three, I I was, despite the ending being a bummer, I mean, we all knew it was going to happen. I am so happy to find out that whole conversation happened between Bree and Edward I didn't real like I didn't even realize. I mean, when we read Eclipse, how was she supposed to know that a mind reader existed? We didn't know that that information was given to her. So there would be no reason for me to think, oh, well, Edward is going to be able to figure it all out because Brie has thoughts. And like, well, how would Brie know? You know, in Eclipse, it's painted that the Volturi showing up is just a huge surprise. And that's the first time they showed up. You don't know that Brie has seen them before when you read it in Eclipse. When it's come, when it happens in this book, it makes so much sense. And I am so happy that that happened. And I'm so glad that there's, a, a, albeit short, but that small glimpse of compassion and camaraderie between Edward and Brie. I'm just, I'm just really glad about that. I think out of everything, I'm happy that that happened. Me too. And I had a mid-chapter realization about it, as I did last one. Also with Diego, I wasn't trying to be mysterious or mislead you, because I legit thought he was alive. And I think it was clown behavior on Riley and Diego's part, or Riley and Victoria's part. I don't think it really would have changed much, but it was still clown behavior. And also... I was thinking about this right before we started recording. I just feel like when Brie is so like convinced that she knows how Diego died, I'm like, I just don't know if I believe that. Like, because she's like, they had to have tortured him for him to like give our secrets over. And I'm like, I feel like more realistic is the like the idea that like Riley told Diego that he was actually going to send him on some recon and then got those messages for Brie, like from Diego, and then maybe they then maybe they killed him. I don't know. That just feels more realistic to me. Yeah, it did seem like a jump a little bit when she describes the torture process. There really wasn't any evidence to say that that is why he said those things. But I'm I feel like it was included just to make the villain seem even more so like the villain and to give Brie a reason to want to really betray Riley and Victoria and their secrets or to betray the, she's not really betraying the Volturi, but it gives her more of a reason to 
make the Volturi pay. Because in the end, it kind of seems like Diego died ultimately to satisfy something that they asked for. So I think maybe it was just included to amplify the rage and grief that Brie might be feeling. But I agree with you that it, like, I don't know if the receipts add up, really. Yeah. Yeah. I choose to believe that he wasn't tortured that way. Because it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. I, I have nothing else to add. I'm just, yeah. Yep. Hello, listeners. Um, if this sounds dramatically different, Paige and I literally had to stop recording yesterday and just call it a day because my feedback on my internet was so bad. So we're back at it again. Um, hope this is sounding better to your ear holes. This one's this one's going out to the realist, the people who know. Back at it again at Krispy Kreme. I don't know that one. <laughs> a vine reference sad i don't know that one uh, okay so we are going to cover the plot now that we talked about our first impressions so where we left off last section was that they were literally just about to go to battle and fred was just about to say something to brie and as Paige already said fred's smart he knew what was up he's not surprised when brie tells him about the sun he is just like, I'm out. I'm going to go. I'll wait for you for one day. And then I'm going to leave. So good luck to you. <laughs> and I really want to know what happens to him. Um, Spoiler alert, we don't see him again. So I'm like, come on, Steph. What's going on with him? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna write. Well, I don't know if we find out more in Breaking Dawn about this. But I'm just going to make a, a page canon that he meets up with the other vampires in Denali in Alaska, since he's already kind of heading up that way. And they live happily ever after. Hmm. I love that. Maybe he becomes a vegetarian even. Maybe. I mean, he seems, he reads books. He critically thinks. I could see him doing it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Shout out to you, Fred, wherever you are. <laughs> we love you. So Bree's like really in a rush, even through this conversation, because she's like, I have to get there before Diego gets killed, which obviously we know he's already dead. But anyways, so they're running and it all happens very fast because Raul catches the scent of the trail that Bella left on purpose. And everyone just goes crazy, which is when Bree's like, I knew it, like I knew this was going to happen. They're all just going to fight over her and they're not going to have any unity. Um Sarah and the blonde kid that was talking about Spider-Man at the beginning of the book get into a fight. And I think she rips his head off or something, right? Sounds about right. <clears throat> I was going to say, though, that them catching the whiff of Bella and then absolutely going berserk and running down the path or whatever was literally me at Costco just now catching a whiff, a whiff of the rotisserie chickens in the back and making a beeline for them. Did you get one? Yeah, that's my reward every time I go to Costco because the Costco where I live is all just the worst of the worst people. And like like when we were required to wear masks, I'm sure that Costco went viral at some point because the amount of people who tried to get in without masks was insane. Um, but 
anyways, I went like right when they opened, I wore my mask and I was like, I always get a rotisserie chicken as a reward because going to that place is exhausting to say the least. Okay. So as they're running and they're all fighting and not paying attention to the plan, Bree witnesses something interesting. So Riley has divided the the group into two, as we talked about before. Christy is leading one end and Raul is leading the other. And Riley yells to Christy, I'm spear point with Raul. So she and her group run one way. Then Bree's still following Riley this whole time. And then Riley catches up to Raul and says, I've got to help Christy. I'll meet you there. And Bree's like, what? record scratch <laughs> she's like uh you are going to neither what's what's happening here and i just gotta say like he is so slimy here like his like fake emotion his fake fear like it's it's kind of bone chilling to read yeah this is sociopath behavior like to just be able to lie and make emotions like at face value basically to manipulate people into getting what you want that's insane like what was he like as a regular person yeah yeah that's scary to think about it makes me think that like you know riley has been choosing the people very specifically to be in this in this battle the people that are not going to be missed in society it leads me to think that Victoria was also very particular in who she chose to fill the role that Riley filled. So maybe she found a bag of slime. I don't think there's a maybe. I feel like she really did find a bag of slime. Yeah, and she picked she picked the slimiest bag she found at the store. <laughs> I'm going to read just a little section of what we're talking about. but um, Brie basically, like, freezes in her tracks and he notices her and he says Bree I thought you were with Christy I heard someone get hurt Christy needs me more than Raul Bree says are you leaving us Riley's face changed it was like I could see his shifting tactics written on his features his eyes widened suddenly anxious I'm worried Bree I told you that she was going to meet us to help us but I haven't crossed her trail something's wrong I need to find her and then skipping ahead a little bit Bree, I have to go find her now. There are enough of you to overwhelm the yellow eyes. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. He sounded so sincere. I hesitated, glancing back the way we had come. Fred would be halfway to Vancouver by now. Diego's down there, Bree, Riley said urgently. He'll be part of the first attack. Didn't you catch his scent back there? Did you not get close enough? I shook my head, totally confused. Diego was there? He's with Raul by now. If you hurry, you can help him get out alive. We stared at each other for a long second, and then I looked south after Raul's path. Good girl, Riley said. I'll go find her, and we'll be back to help clean up. You guys have got this. It might be over by the time you get there. He took off in a direction perpendicular to our original path. I clenched my teeth at how sure he seemed of his way, lying to the end. This begs a question for me. Like, So he was always planning on meeting up with Victoria in a separate location, but how did they know where Bella was going to be? I feel like they may, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe there was some reconnaissance going on. Um, because, I mean, Riley had talked about the fact that 
they were doing recon. And sure, he may have been lying, but I mean, maybe they did know where Bella and Edward were spending the night or something. Maybe, like you said, you don't believe that um, Diego could have died the way that it was described. Maybe it's possible they used him to track her and then killed him afterwards because he knew too much. I don't know. I, it's, it's a little hard to believe, or it's a little hard to kind of like piece together how it all comes together. Like, I think the reader is just supposed to be like, oh yeah, it all works. Yeah, that's very Stephanie of her. Um, I do know that Edward says in Eclipse, like, Victoria assumed I'd be with you. So she followed my trail in or whatever, because she couldn't smell Bella's trail because of Jacob carrying her. That makes sense. I was originally going to say, I'm pretty sure that she just assumed the two of them would be together because that is 100% what they would do. Um, But you would, you would think that like Edward with how talented he is, he would, be able to either like read a mind that got close to him or be able to detect a scent or one of the wolves would have been able to because um Seth was there the whole time so you'd think that maybe like if there was a vampire kind of close by he would have detected it yeah here's what I'm thinking they Riley got a sense of Edward's scent when he was in Bella's room because he's all over her room. Victoria already knew what Edward smelled like because she's met him. So maybe they were she was just like follow that trail the day of, not the day before, you know? Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense. It would be a gamble, though, on Victoria's part to assume that they would leave that day or when like that they would be able to follow a scent there, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's true. I do think it's clown behavior, and I think I said this at the time in Eclipse, but it's clown behavior that Edward was like, yeah, I'll just be with her. Like, you dipshit ass. They thought of that in Twilight, where they were like, let's separate, because they'll think that Edward is with Bella, and then they just didn't think of that this time. I, like, I'm not, I'm not blaming Bella, but wasn't the reason that Edward was there because she almost had a panic attack that he wasn't going to be there? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, sorry, sis. I think this one might be on you. I mean, not that anything bad really happens, but um, it's kind of like it kind of it could have not worked out at all in Victoria's favor. I mean, it didn't work out in Victoria's favor at all. But like the plan could have gone quite differently if Edward really hadn't um, stuck around. Yeah. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> You know, it makes me it makes me think that let's just say hypothetically Jacob and like two other wolves stuck with Bella. Let's just say. I don't think that this would have ever happened because Victoria's whole plan or the whole reason that she wanted to do all this was to kill Bella, that she wouldn't have been able to find Bella and then the whole army would have been massacred. Yeah, but she would have been saved, so she wouldn't have cared. That's true. That's true. I love coming up with all of these hypotheticals that just would never happen or don't even exist at all. 
I know we really fall down rabbit holes when we do this. <laughs> okay. So basically, as soon as Bree arrives on the scene, it's already like over. Like the Colons and the wolves, which she never figures out, are wolves, which is interesting. They have just like made quick work of this army. Bree's looking everywhere for Diego. She leaps over a rock, but then she realizes it's actually a body, which is horrific. And then, um, yeah, she's just looking all around for Diego, and she that's when she realizes that he is dead. One other comment that I wanted to make, too, this whole situation makes Riley's behavior in the kitchen when he was talking to Bree so gross. Like, what was he achieving by being like, you should give him a chance, the dead guy. Like, what was the point of that? It's it's like Riley grasping at straws, basically. Like, in my head, I'm like, why is he doing so much for one singular person who, like, doesn't even want to fight, who isn't even practicing in the fight? Like, what's the point? And I guess, like, the only reason that he would have done this is he's he's thinking that perhaps there's a chance, and maybe he knows for sure, maybe Diego said something, that Bree knows that everything he's saying is a load of shit. And so he can't risk compromising anything at this point. They're so close to the battle that, like, he has to keep Bree on on a, a a string basically to let her or to make her keep coming along so she doesn't tell anyone and ruin anything. Just stupid. It's just, it, it it's, there's no point to it. There really is no point. Do I, do I think that any of the vampires would have believed her if she said anything? No, I don't think they would. I, because even when Riley is saying like, guys, come on out, you're you're safe today. It's totally fine. He's the only one that all of them like collectively kind of like follow and maybe slash maybe not trust. And they still didn't listen to him. He had to force all of them up the stairs. So like, no, none of them are gonna believe Bree, who like a lot of them don't really like. So I feel like it was just a lot. Riley was doing a lot for really no reason. Yeah, I agree. And it's not like, I mean, I don't mean to be a dick, but it's not like she's going to be a strong fighter. She didn't even practice. So like, what, what, this seems like a waste of time. I don't know. This whole, this whole, this whole plan is just clown behavior. Totally. Okay. So right about now is when Bree basically surrenders. And it's interesting because she's not, She's surrendering, but not in the way that Carlisle thinks. She's not begging for her life, which is what Carlisle thinks. She's like, please just kill me. I don't, I'm not going to hurt you. But Carlisle interprets it as like her giving up and saying like, I'll be good or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a shame that Edward isn't here because could have clarified a lot of things right off the bat. Yeah, totally. Um. She overall is very impressed by the Colons. It's very confusing to her because, like, um, it just seems like everything she believes is actually the opposite of the truth. Like, on page 146, towards the bottom, it says, she's talking about Carlisle. There was such honesty in his odd yellow eyes that it made me wonder how I had ever believed any of Riley's stories. I felt guilty. Maybe this coven had never planned to attack us in Seattle. 
how could I trust any part of what I'd been told? And later on, she goes on to say, like, she calls them her captors, which is an interesting term to use. But besides that, she's like, I trust them more than I trusted all these people that I've been living with, quote unquote, her entire life. I think it's just, you know, the brief time that she sees them, I feel like they're all pretty calm and composed in comparison to the vampires she's been around for the past, like, what, three months or so? So, like, I feel like there is a stark difference between the Cullens and the newborn vampires. And while they might be, like, on edge because they just killed a bunch of people, they still aren't, like, screaming and attacking each other. Like, they're having conversations. They're calling everyone by name. It's just, I feel like it's just a completely different vibe. Yeah, I feel like the main difference is control. Like, they clearly have control over themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I mean, when Bella comes, it, like, throws everything... Like, she can't understand how they're all just completely calm about the situation. Yeah, that'd be so weird to witness if you were her. I'm trying to imagine what, what, like, something in real life would be... Would be like that. And I feel like, for me, it's when... and. I don't mean this is an insult to any, if any of our listeners do this, I, you know, good for you. It's just not my thing. When people have pet tarantulas, I'm like, couldn't be me. I'm sorry. That like, I do not, I cannot understand it. Truly, that is a good metaphor. It's almost like the reverse though, because the pet is scarier than the thing itself. That's true. I was picturing in my cartoon brain. (laughs) If my cats had a pet mouse that they loved, or, like, one of them was dating it, I'd be like, what the fuck? Oh, that's funny. I I couldn't be Tina, that's for sure. <laughs> that, is, that is true. Okay, so Brie officially surrenders to Carlisle and Esme, and then Jasper shows up and it's very interesting to see Jasper from a vampire's lens. Um, Would you actually read that description of him on page 148, starting with he was blonde? Yeah. He was blonde like the first, but taller and leaner. His skin was absolutely covered in scars spaced most thickly together on his neck and jaw. A few small marks on his arms were fresh, but the rest were not from the brawl today. He had been in more fights than I could have imagined, and he'd never lost. His tawny eyes blazed, and his stance exuded the barely contained violence of an angry lion. Yeah, it's weird, because Bella doesn't really realize that he looks like that until he points it out. Yeah, it's that that is true. Like, we don't get that description of Jasper or his backstory until Eclipse. Like, before... The only the only thing I had in my head as to what Jasper looked like is all the memes of the Jasper face. Like, that's the only thing I knew. <laughs> it's so funny to think about. And then Brie doesn't say it, but I'm sure she's like, why is he with this, like, tiny little vampire? Like, it's such a weird combo. <laughs> this is very random, but I think the listeners will appreciate it. Um, just reading that paragraph out loud, there was a lot of warrior cats language used in there. If you liked that paragraph, you'd probably like warrior cats. Thank you for the PSA. I'm looking at you, Tawny Pelt. (laughs) 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, okay, so Jasper and Esme and Carlisle actually kind of argue about keeping Brie alive because Jasper thinks that when the Volturi show up, it'll seem like they created Brie and then they'll be implicated in this. And Carlisle's like, too fucking bad. And Esme is like, too fucking bad times 12. She stands in between Jasper and Brie. And Brie is like, shook to the max about that because it's just like, I mean, they have animal instincts. That's what she's used to. And that's just very not instinctual thing to do. Like, put your back to a stranger. And I feel like, too, from the very brief description we had of Bree's upbringing, I'm pretty sure her mom left at some point in her life because of her abusive father. And to have paternal-esque figures, especially a mother figure, stand up for you and show that level of trust and also compassion, her brain is short-circuiting at this point. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It makes me so sad that, like, she didn't get a chance to, like, experience this. Yeah. I I think that it would have been very hard for her, but she is, she does have a brain in her, for sure. Like, there's a reason that this story was written about her and from her perspective. Like, she's she's not an she's not an animal she's just turned into a vampire and now she has to deal with that you know so i think she could have if and even i think especially if fred was with her i think the two of them could have could have made a life here yeah i agree okay so at this point jasper takes charge of brie and is like i just fucking said this in charge of like keeping an eye on her and keeping her in line. And he forces her to close her eyes and then later covers her ears too. Did you assume right away what this was for? Or like, what were your thoughts on this when you read it? The I really only kind of, I think, figured out why he was doing this at the very end of her doing it. And I think it's because of the wolves, but I, I don't really understand why because I mean I guess it's still like a very she's brand new they don't really know what's going on with her yet Carlisle is saying one thing everyone else is kind of saying another thing so they don't really they don't they don't want to divulge this secret because it was a shock to the army and Victoria so and I guess I bet the Volturi don't know about it either um but like if she was going to join the the family she's gonna find out about it eventually i don't know i i understand why but i was really confused in the beginning okay i'll explain it to you um because i think i understand it so if you remember any clips even though jacob's hurt they're like you guys have to go like you have to leave so they're very clearly trying to hide the wolves existence from the volturi like they don't want the volturi to know so i think that's the key for brie because if Jane tortures her and she's like, I saw giant werewolves and that's why they won so easily. You know, I think that's the main, the main objective. I forgot that at this point they know the Volturi is coming. I forgot that that happened like uh, immediately after the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Alice had seen it. That makes sense. I, what I want to know is wouldn't the Volturi be able to like, uh, well, I guess they, 
it's only just like a foul smell. It's not like, oh, that's werewolf smell. It's just like really gross. Right, because they don't have any precedent for it. They don't know like what that smell could be. Right. So as Brie is sitting on the ground with her eyes closed, she's hearing a lot of stuff that really confuses her. We know it's the wolves. She calls them like the howling vampires because, I mean, she has no frame of reference. So she's just assuming they're vampires. Um, She's very confused because she hears like heartbeats, but she knows they're not human because they're like too fast. Then that's when Jasper like covers her ears up. I also think it's interesting that all chapter Jasper's power doesn't seem to be very in control because Bree's feeling everything that he's feeling. So he like clearly doesn't give a shit that he's like projecting onto her. Yeah, I thought immediately, because I think the very first time it's mentioned, it's a positive feeling, like Brie talks about feeling like a little calmer or something like that. But then, so immediately I was like, oh, Jasper's using his powers to make everything better. But then everything after that is not that at all. So then Bree's just kind of sitting there because she has really nothing better to do. So she's just sitting there kind of contemplating what's happened. And she it's pretty clear that she's like, you know what? I just don't even give a shit anymore. It's okay if I die because Diego's gone and she clearly cared about him so much that she says, imagining a future without him was faintly repugnant is what she says. Then Bella shows up and Brie doesn't pick up on her scent right away. So she's kind of like, what the fuck? What are they talking about? And then Jasper tells her to open her eyes. And then... So then she's kind of taking in the scene. She sees all the vampires. And then she at first says, the vampire on the ground started to get slowly to her feet, moving awkwardly, almost like she was some clumsy human, LMAO. Getting read by someone you don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. And then she catches hold of Bella's scent and... It's really hard to read how hard it is for her, like, because it's not her fault. It's like how she has lived her entire known life. You know what I mean? Like, she's never had to exercise any kind of restraint at all. And for her to see in comparison, seven and a little extra, because I think there's, oh, I guess there's no werewolves there. Seven vampires not phased about this in the slightest. It's. It's like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, she even says at one point... I'm trying to find it. Oh, it's on the next page. It's on page 160. The vampire had both his arms around the human girl, and she had both hands pressed to his chest. Her throat was just inches from his mouth, but she didn't look frightened of him at all. And he didn't look like he was hunting. I had tried to wrap my head around the idea of a coven with a pet human, but this was not close to what I had imagined. If she'd been a vampire, I would have guessed that they were together but it's not even conceivable to her that they are together. You know, the way that you sit with your pet, with your arms wrapped around them and their hands on your chest. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Uh, Okay. She muses more on, like, what the purpose of Bella is and kind of, like, how hard it is for her that she's just having to sit there and control it. And I do gotta say, like, that does show a level of self-control because if she really had no control she would have just jumped up and then obviously they would have killed her yeah and for her to have wanted to die when she first got captured for her to say please just kill me 
she's choosing not to do that. She could easily just do that and get killed, but she's choosing not to. Yeah. It's honestly kind of impressive if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And then we have the moment from her point of view where she screams out loud, Bella witnessed all this in Eclipse. And Carlisle says, have you changed your mind, young one? We don't want to destroy you, but we will if you can't control yourself. And then Bree says, how can you stand it? I asked him, almost begging. Wasn't he burning too? I want her. I stared at her, desperately wishing the distance between us was gone. My fingers raked uselessly through the rocky dirt. You must stand it, Carlisle said solemnly. You must exercise control. It is possible, and it is the only thing that will save you now. If being able to tolerate the human the way these strange vampires did was my only hope for survival, then I was already doomed. <clears throat> She's low-key spelling tea on herself. I mean, here, okay, let me paint you a situation. Let me paint you a little picture. You are sitting in a field, and the most delicious smelling pork chop is sitting on a plate in front of you. Literally the best pork chop is beautiful looking. You can see the glistening, crunchy exterior of that pork chop. There's steam, hot steam coming from it. And it just, the smell of it is making you, you can't think of anything else with this pork chop. And a man shows up and he is like, you, it's possible. You have to stand it. You probably would think, if this is the only way I'm going to live, well, I may as well die. Tell me tell me that's not what you're thinking. I mean, yeah, you're spot on. <laughs> I was trying to think of, like, your number one favorite food, and I was going to say pho, but I was like, no, pork chop is t- is more original. You should have done pulled pork. That would have really, really gotten them. Pork chop with a side of pulled pork. <laughs> Just pork all around. Pork central. And that is why I cannot be Jewish. Sorry to Jacob. <laughs> okay. I do got to say this moment that Bella and Brie share makes me a little bit sad. Um, just because like, I'm like, they could have been friends in another life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And from what we read in this book, they could have talked about books. They could have, they could have had a little book club. It could have been great. Yeah. Um, Bree's, like, confused why Bella seems interested and, like, she wants to talk to Bree. Obviously, we know that's because Bella's, like, speculating on if she'll be like this and blah, blah, blah. So it's just interesting there are two different worlds that they're coming from. Right now, what Bree does not know is, in her head, Bella is singing, It's like you're my mirror, and you're staring back at me. You know, by JT. Yeah, you sound just like him. How could I not know? (laughs) Okay, so then the Volturi show up, and of course, Bree is shook. She calls them the Dark Cloaks. This is right about where I started really chugging my dumb bitch juice, because I literally wrote in my notes, if only Bree had shouted out that she quote-unquote knew the Volturi. My next note, actually it was two, it took me a while, two notes down. Holy shit, I just realized that Edward must know everything because he can read minds. <laughs> I mean, I I mentioned this yesterday slash earlier in the episode. Um, when we're reading this in Eclipse, there was absolutely no way to know that this exchange was happening. So originally, I kind of thought the same thing. Like, come on, Brie, like, let's like 
let's have some urgency here. Let's, you know, stand up for yourself. Um, but then Edward gets brought, she, she says something and Edward like makes a point to sort of respond or like turn and look back at her. And as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, okay, we're fine. I know that she's, she's definitely going to do what we want her to do. Yeah, she's super smart about it because she remembers Riley saying that they have a mind reader. She deduces that it's Edward. And so she's like, I'm going to tell him everything I know because fuck these Volturi and fuck Riley and Victoria. I want them all to die. What do you think? Because nowhere in this book do you read what Bree says. You can only just discern that she explains what she saw. But I like to imagine the choice of words that she used. Lots and lots of fucks. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, I don't think she would care about that kind of thing. Just Stephanie would never write it because, you know, reasons. Of course not. <laughs> um, I do love her attitude. I mean, she pays for it dearly. But when, right before Jane tortures her, and how, how was she supposed to know that Jane could do this? But <laughs> I'm looking at page 169 on the bottom. Jane turned to stare at me with narrowed eyes. You there, she snarled. Your name. I was dead anyway, according to her. So why give this lying vampire anything she wanted? I just glared at her. <laughs> I fucking love that. She got no qualms. She really don't. She really don't. I can't turn my notes over. Um, this begs the question. I mean, we've witnessed this conversation now. This is the second time. So we know how it goes. Jane asks about the details. Bree is telling Edward everything that she knows, you know, that she witnessed the Volturi visiting Victoria and Riley, blah, 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 whatever. Poor Bree has to find out that, like, they all died for that human girl that she thinks is a fucking loser. Oof. Um, but I wanted to ask you, why don't you think Edward, I mean, I guess they have a lot going on because of Jacob's injury, but why... Wasn't Edward like, hey, y'all, just so you know, that girl told me that the Volturi orchestrated this entire thing. I feel like Edward is smart and he knows that Jane and the gang are also smart. And for them to just for like if that were to be just shouted out and put out into the air, it probably would result in something disastrous chaotic chaos and bella is here and in susceptible to danger she's still a human so i think that there's going to be a conversation about this in breaking dawn for sure or at least a memory like maybe maybe the actual conversation doesn't happen but we find out that the conversation happened um i just don't i think it's bad timing i feel like if Edward were to just say it out loud, then the Volturi would have no choice but to, like, do something. And they just fought in a battle. They are they got a lot going on. It would be a, a shock to all of the Cullens. It would just be like, oh, we're doing this now. And Bella's there, unprotected. The, the wolves have just fought. They're gone. I feel like it's just bad timing. But I think that Edward will 100% let everyone know this, like, as soon as he can. Yeah, I kind of meant after Volturi left. Oh. 
<laughs> but I guess we don't really see the clones together again. So maybe, yeah. I just meant, why didn't he say something right away after they left? But we will see what happens in Breaking Dawn. Yeah, I think it. I think it's more of a, like, wrong place, wrong time kind of a thing. Yeah, he's like, we have bigger fish to fry at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so this conversation progresses, you know, Bree's super happy that Edward says that he killed Riley and Victoria. He's like, she's like, he will be my best friend forever. <laughs> um, Bree answers Jane's questions after, you know, she gets tortured into it. But she's, she's very, being very careful to like play dumb. She pretends to be Kevin, which is so funny to me. That is a drag because we know Kevin's recently deceased. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to pretend to be that dumbass bitch real quick. It's so funny. Well, she nailed it. She really did. She really did. And then, yeah, Jane's kind of wrapping it up. Bree realizes that Edward has picked up on what Bree has told him by, you know, how snappy he's being towards Jane. He's like, mm, I'm fortunate you didn't show up on time or whatever. And then Jane makes the comment about how. Bella is still human, and Bree's like, oh, I guess they are going to change her, but I wonder what they're waiting for. Me too, sis. There's this short comment on page 177. So that's, it's right when Jane says, you know, like, Case will be so interested that you're still human, Bella. And the vampire that we know as Alice is talking. The date is set. Perhaps we'll come to visit you in a few months. Jane's smile disappeared like someone had wiped it off. She shrugged without looking at the black-haired vampire, and I got the feeling that, as much as she might have hated the human girl, she hated this small vampire ten times as much. Why do you think Jane hates Alice so much? I maybe that maybe there's some maybe there's some backstory we don't know about, but I feel like Alice's powers are pretty stellar, and Jane's powers are also pretty stellar. But I, I don't know. I could see just being envious of another strong vampire feeling like I have the strongest power and for Arrow to really want both Alice and Edward in his sort of family I like you know Arrow obviously really wants Jane in his family but to have him want other people too as much maybe she's just a little envious of that and doesn't want to she wants to be the only like the the strongest vampire on top, basically. Yeah, she wants to be a head bitch in charge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're drawing to the tragic end. Bree thinks briefly about Fred and says to Edward in her head, be nice to him, please. I'm like, are you going to go find him? Are you? Yeah, she could have been like, hey, my friend Fred is in... British Columbia or wherever wherever he went. That's what she's saying. Oh, I thought she literally just said, be nice to him. And that was it. I was imagining Edward was like, who the fuck is him? No, like she thinks about how he's in Vancouver, like halfway to Vancouver, blah, blah, blah. Like she's been thinking about him the whole time. Okay. Yeah, well, let's go get Fred then. What the frick, Cullens? What are we waiting for? <laughs> You want Bella on your team, but you don't want Fred. Come on. Um, last thing that I had to say, I thought it was like, I mean, you know, I'm not Edward's biggest fan, but I thought it was so touching. And I think you brought this up earlier, Paige, but 
I thought it was so touching that what we thought Edward was saying to Bella in Eclipse, don't watch, which I mean, he could have been saying it to both, but like, he's also talking to Brie, like, close your eyes, you know, like trying to protect her as much as he can. And it is really touching that, as we already know that he did, he tries to like make a case for her. Like, Edward's like, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to kill her. And Jane's like, yes, we do. We don't give second chances. Yeah, for one, first point, I did not realize until you just said it now that when he says, close your eyes, I completely forgot he said that in Eclipse, and you are to assume that it's for Bella. Like, why else would you, Why else would he be saying that? I didn't even make that connection. I, like, I just read that in this book and was like, yeah, he's telling her to not watch. That's very touching. I'm, I do appreciate that a lot. And I think it just, like, I don't know, I... I don't think Edward has had a lot of experience with newborns and this whole interaction, this whole saga of this battle in their mind, the newborns are an enemy. They're, you know, their only reason to be around is to kill. They're going to be very hard to stop. And for him to just have this look into one of their minds and see, you know, like this one actually she cared she's going out of her way to help us she knows that something bad is going to happen and she's still doing all this to help us like I just think it was good for Edward to kind of see that and you know like even if they're newborns they're still you know there's a person in there and you were a newborn once too that was trying to figure shit out so I thought it was nice even though it was short-lived yeah me too little heart hand emoji for Edward this time um, is there anything that we didn't cover? <sighs> Not really. I, I, th- the ending, I, I was curious how it was going to end, like what, what it was going to be like. And I think that the ending was apropos, apropos, apropos. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I do got to ask, we'll go over our schedule and various housekeeping in a second, but I do got to ask if you have any general predictions for Breaking Dawn, since that's what we'll, we'll be doing next. I feel like the wedding is going to be sooner rather than later, because, I mean, Breaking Dawn is a big book, and really the only villain we have left is the Volturi, so I have a suspicion that that's going to be the the crux of the conflict. I don't really know what because I know that Bella is going to get turned at some point. That's already been spoiled for me. So I know it's going to happen at some point in the book. If the wedding happens soon, sooner rather than later, then she'll get turned sooner rather than later. Unless she decides like I want to wait a little bit longer. I don't know why she would decide that though. There seems to be a bit of a a push for this. So I just don't really know what like the conflict is going to be because I don't understand. Like, it seems like the Volturi's only issue right now is that Bella is not a vampire. So why are they still going to be a villain once she's a vampire? I don't really get that yet. Um, So that's going to, that's going to be my number one question mark. Like why is the Volturi so upset? Um, Maybe, maybe, well, okay, here's what I'm thinking. They're they're going to wait until they're married to fuck for sure. They've we've already gotten to that. We've already clarified that. So, there's going to be there's going to be a hot steamy scene at some point in this book. Um, who knows when? Probably the wedding night, who knows. 
Um, graduation already happened, right? That happened in Eclipse. Yeah, I think the I think the first big thing that's going to happen is going to be the wedding. I feel like that's what we're going to open up to. I don't really know what's in store in, on the Jacob side of things that was left kind of obscuro at the end of Eclipse. Like, I don't I don't really know. Will he show up to the wedding? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I would say my number one big prediction is wedding is going to happen soon. Yeah, that's, I feel like, pretty astute. I forgot to tell you the names of the chapters that we're going to be reading first. So we got the preface, and then we have chapters one and two, which are called Engaged and Long Night. Engaged? I think Bella's going to be engaged. And I think it's, <laughs> I think it's going to be maybe, like, some just, like, wedding-y stuff, like her getting things ready, maybe, with Alice or her her interactions with her parents as someone who's engaged or maybe it'll maybe it'll start with her telling Charlie that she's engaged like at the end of Eclipse it was kind of a little bit in the future so we didn't really know what was going on with Bella when we read Jacob's ending you know um but it's kind of assumed that it's you know, a little bit in the future because he receives an invitation. So at that point, I'm sure people know that she's engaged. So maybe it'll start with like her telling people that she's engaged or, you know, this and that. Long night, maybe Edward's going to be gone. Longest night of Bella's life. Who knows? <laughs> Truly, who knows? I know. But other than that, who knows? <laughs> um. Okay, so when you're hearing this, it will be upcoming this weekend, our Eclipse watch party with our patrons and donors. So we're just going to remind you all real quick of how you can get involved with that. You can be a supporter of us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. You can donate to the Quilliot's efforts to move their cultural lands to higher ground, which is at mthg.org. You can donate to the families um, affected by the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Or you can donate to abortion funds at the resource that we shared. All those links are in our link tree or on our social media profiles in some way. And all you have to do is send us proof of a donation and an email confirmation or anything. Any combination of those things, too. If you are already a patron and you want to be a donor, obviously we encourage that. You can, can only do one. Please donate because we're not that great of a cause, but those are. Um, and yeah, we're really hoping to see you all at that. So that's going to be Saturday, July 16th at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Paige is very excited. I'm screaming. I'm shouting. I'm letting it all outing. <laughs> so when y'all are hearing this, there will not be a new episode out next week, July 19th. We are taking a week off in between Brie Tanner and Breaking Dawn. So we'll be back on July 26th. Beginning Breaking Dawn, the last book of the series. Pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> Silent screaming. Um, in the meantime, we hope that you will visit us on social media. We don't have a blooper reel out for this short novella because there wasn't that much. But yeah, we'll hope, we hope you send us some memes, send us your thoughts, send us any feedback. You can find us on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays After Twilight or on Twitter at TaftPod. And you could also email us at TuesdaysAfterTwilight at gmail.com. And for those of you who are coming to the Eclipse Watch Party, if you're a patron, it'll be posted on our Patreon, the link itself. 
in a patrons only post so you'll be able to see it and then if you're a donor we'll find a way to message it to you on the way that you contacted us or however we'll, we will get you that link don't even worry i do believe that's all what do you got for our listeners for the next couple weeks Paige? this is a helpful tip for cat owners but then you can apply it to everything i think well not everything but a lot of things um lilies are a poisonous flower for cats so if you own a cat do not keep lilies in your residence because if they eat it they will get very sick and just as a word of warning as i'm sure many pet owners know but before you do take a plant into your home just do a little research and make sure that it's safe for your for your animal slash pet to be around that plant unless you have a pet tarantula then let that motherfucker eat it and die i'm just kidding it's so mean (laughs) We wish our listeners with pet tarantulas all the best. All the do not send me any pictures or you will be blocked immediately. <laughs> we wish you all the best, but you got to stay over there. <laughs> From far away. <laughs> all right, we will see you all in a couple weeks to begin Breaking Dawn, and we'll see some of you on the Eclipse Watch Party this Saturday. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. (laughs) 